0: I'm Brandon Knight, and this is My Seminary Life. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is the show where I sit down to recap the things that I am studying in seminary. And this week, we are going to be talking about hypostatic union. So, we are in a two week study on Christology. And all this week, we have been primarily focusing on the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. And how can he both be fully human and fully divine? Is he fully human and is he fully divine? That's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I just want to draw attention to the fact that with this episode, we are officially halfway through Theology Seminar 1. When you're only taking one class and you're bookmarking each episode with a podcast episode, it, the, the class moves so much quicker. It, I can remember in college, just like these things would go on and on forever. But here we are halfway through the first class, which means we're almost to the halfway point for the entire semester. So, hypostatic union. This is the teaching held by most conservative evangelicals that Jesus is fully God and fully man. This was decided at the Council of Chalcedon, I believe is how you say that. Chalcedon, maybe one or the other. <laughs> it's the same council. I just don't know how to say the word. This was uh, this was an early. This was one of the things that they had to determine early on in the church. Uh, along with the Trinity, these were two major areas that the church had to come to an agreement on because there were many heresies popping up quickly after the, after the, the disciples and Paul, and you're getting it more into second and third and fourth generation Christians. There were a lot of heresies that were starting to pop up, a lot of different opinions on Christ's divinity and Christ's humanity. And how they formed together. Even during the time of the disciples. We know that uh, John writes heavily in his epistles. About or against rather Gnosticism. This teaching that uh, the spirit is good. And that the body is bad. And that they were the Gnostics were hijacking Christianity. uh, Using Christ as an example. That he was He crucified his flesh, so that way he could embrace the purely physical aspect, or excuse me, purely spiritual aspect of his life, which is the good and holy thing that we are to be uh, ascribing to. Uh, But even further on, as we get into further generations of Christians, there were more and more teachings that tried to make in an attempt to help explain this teaching, started either continuing to elevate the spiritualness of Jesus, or on the flip side, started elevating the humanity of Jesus. There are more and more people who were trying to make Jesus more human, or equal parts God and human think Hercules. Hercules is a great example of this. They were kind of turning Jesus into a Hercules character of that he is some God, some human put together. He has limitations on both ends. Because that's where that's where a lot of the issues come from is this idea uh, that we'll talk about here more in a minute of the limitations that Jesus experienced while he was alive here on the earth. How do we explain that in the in wrestling with that he is fully God and fully man? And to this day, we are still wrestling with some of these things. There are plenty of Christians, Christians, evangelical, born again Christians, conservative Christians who argue for a more spiritually minded belief system. They are all about the spirit. They are all about um uh, the spiritual life is the most important life and neglect the importance of our bodies and our physicalness and on the flip side i've heard people on tiktok uh talk about how jesus was human and jesus sinned and that's great like seriously i had this guy oh man he showed up on my for you page what is what was he talking about i think it was either the cursing of the fig tree or cleaning out the temple of the money changers. I can't remember which one. It was one of those instances when Jesus' righteous anger side came out more, and he talked about how he just thinks that passage is so awesome because here you see Jesus sinning, and that makes him so relatable to us. And I'm like, you you almost have it. You almost got it. Um, But no, what we're going to see here is that Understanding that Jesus is fully God and fully man, it it has to be this. You may be sitting there thinking, like, I've never heard of the hypostatic union. I don't know what this is. How can this be relevant for my faith? How does it matter so much that uh, whether Jesus was fully God, partially God, fully man, partially man, like, why does this matter? And as we work through this today, what you're going to see is that our very salvation depends upon knowing that Jesus is fully God and also fully man. Like, our self, this is a linchpin in our salvation. And I'll explain why here in a minute. So, first off, let's establish the fact that Jesus is God. Now, we talked about this a lot last week when we were talking about the Trinity. But, just for sake of recap, really, let's run this back down one more time. According to Scripture, Jesus is God— he is equal to God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and there and was there in the beginning with the Father and the Spirit, and by him everything was made John one one through three once again, this week, we had this great assignment of having to write about this topic as if we were talking to middle schoolers. Uh, We had to do this last week with the Trinity. We brought it back again this week. Uh, We also had to do a forum post discussion on this as well. So we were really digging into this, and there's, like I said, a little bit of overlap from the Trinity conversation, but we're starting off there that Scripture clearly teaches Jesus is equal to the Father and the Spirit, are separate from the Father and the Spirit, and was there in the beginning with the Father and the Spirit, and created all things. During his life, Jesus did many things that were not normal for a mere human to be able to do. Low-hanging fruit, he easily walked on the water, Mark 6, 45-53. And even though Peter walks out, he does start sinking. So even in that, like Jesus was able to fully be able to do that. Jesus did so many other miracles, feeding of the 5,000, turning water into wine. If we accept those as miracles, I was actually listening to the playback of the C.S. Lewis Miracles episode this morning uh, to help me prepare a little bit for this because uh, miracles, the suspension of the natural laws for miracles to occur are very important in the ministry of Jesus in order to help confirm his deity over and over and over again. He taught with a level of authority that scribes and the pharisees did not have at that time this is in Matthew 7:28 through 29 this is the very end these are the last verses in the sermon on the mount and he has just finished preaching this gr- the greatest sermon ever Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 And it finishes off by saying that the people were astonished because he taught with an authority that the scribes did not have. Because the scribes, they just read the law off. They would just read it, and if they made comments on it, the comments were related to what other Pharisees had said. It's kind of like writing a paper. Like A lot of times my undergrad papers were, here's what the passage of scripture says, here's what somebody who's way more intelligent than I am has to say about it. And moving on. And that's what, that was how the scribes taught back then too. This is how we, or this is contrary to how Jesus taught. He taught with an authority. He was bringing new ideas to the table. He was challenging the uh, religious norms of the day. And there seems to be a level of this when he was a child as well. In Luke 2, 32, this is the story of when uh, Jesus is a little boy and he stays behind at the temple, and Mary and Joseph come back to try and find him, like, hey, where have you been? And when they find him, they find that he is sitting with the teachers and the Pharisees of the temple, and he's, like, intelligently engaging in discussion with them. So even as a child, Jesus had a deeper intellect, a deeper understanding of theology. And, of course, the big one, He overcame death. Mark 16, 16, 1 through 13. It is uh, clearly established in Scripture that Jesus came back to life, which is not a normal thing for humans to be able to do on their own. So, we have established that Jesus has a level of deity. We'll just start there. A level of deity. What about his humanity? There's actually a lot of instances in Scripture about Jesus's humanity. Let me find. Here we go. Jesus took on flesh and lived among humans. John one fourteen. He was born as a baby. Luke two eight through twenty one. He grew up as a child. Verse thirty two of uh. Luke, verse thirty two of Luke chapter two. He was tempted. Matthew four one through seventeen. He slept, Mark 4, 38. He got thirsty, John 19, 28. His body was beaten, Matthew 27, 27 through 31. And he died, Matthew 27, 45 through 30. So all of those are very human experiences. Getting tired, getting thirsty, getting beaten up, dying, growing up. Like All of these things are very basic things that all of us as humans being born that we have to experience. And it I know, it's so weird to think about Jesus being born, Jesus having to grow up. Like I think sometimes we just have this idea that Jesus just like came out of the womb and just started walking and teaching. But like Jesus had to grow. And this is where things start to get a little tricky. Did Jesus have to grow because he was more human than he was divine. Is that what's going on here? Did he somehow limit his divinity and became more human over to divinity? 60/40 type of thing here. You could even look at the example of Jesus not knowing the time of his return in Mark 13:32 as an example, as a very clear example of a time where Jesus was more human than he was God. So what do we do with that? Philippians 2, 6-8 is very important. Because it talks about how Jesus humbly emptied himself to take on our form and be a servant to the cross. By choice, Jesus chose to limit elements of his divinity in order to become like us. So yes, there were moments of limitation, of hunger, of thirst, of not knowing when he was going to return. But that was a choice to limit that capacity and to embrace our humanity. But even in that, he is still fully God. How do we know that he was still fully God is the question. How do we know that? Maybe he really was. Was he just more human than he was God? I would argue that I would argue in support of the hypostatic union that Jesus is fully God and fully man because he was tempted but did not give in to temptation. So we brought it up briefly earlier, the temptation of Jesus. This is actually Matthew chapter 4, right before the Sermon on the Mount, and right before he starts calling his disciples. He is in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, which is a supernatural fast in of itself. Um, and Satan comes, and he tempts him, and he tempts him, and he tempts him. And each time, Jesus is able, through Scripture, to rebuttal Satan and not give in to temptation. If Jesus was more human than he was divine, I don't think he would have I don't think he would have made it through the temptation. I I I know I couldn't have. Even if I was more human than I was divine, I think at some point I would have still tripped up along the way. Hebrews 4:15 talks about how Jesus was tempted in every way Like, Jesus faced the normal temptations that we face. I mean, they look different now because it's 2021. But he faced those normal temptations to sin like we do. But he didn't fall in. Because his divinity, his deity, kept him from sinning. So Jesus is fully God in that he was perfect and righteous and he was fully man which makes him more relatable to us and at this point maybe you can start to see how this is so important to our salvation because even though we don't know every single act that jesus has ever done in the history of his life here on earth because the sacrifice for his sins or excuse me the sacrifice for our sins was accepted we can know that he never sinned. The sacrifice was accepted. James 2.10 talks about how it takes one offense to be guilty of the entire law. One trip up. But instead, what we see is that Jesus declares it is finished. The veil in the temple, which separated God from man, was torn top to bottom. And, obviously, he came back to life. (laughs) All of these show that the payment for our sins was accepted in full by the Father. The full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. His blood was accepted for our sins. His righteousness was enough. And through His righteousness, through, by grace, through faith, we can receive salvation. Which is all in Romans three, twenty-one through twenty-six. It is by his righteousness. So, in order for us to have secure faith that Jesus that the sacrifice by Jesus for our sins was paid in full, we have to believe that he is fully God and fully man. Because if he was not fully God, then there is always going to be that doubt that he did sin and that this is all made up. But knowing that he is fully God, we can rest assured that his deity covers our his deity and his righteousness cover our sins. And he embraced our humanity, he embraced our flesh so that way he could be tempted without giving in. And be that much more relatable to us. This makes God, who we've just tried for the past 15 minutes to understand better in a very complex way. And in the last episode, we talked about in a very complex way with the Trinity. This makes God, Jesus makes God so much more relatable in that he experienced human life as we do. And that, friends, is the hypostatic union And that is why you should care that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun, faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.